This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. I'm Kevin Van Hentenrick, and you're watching the Deluxe Edition with Casey and Ray. Welcome to another episode of Deluxe Edition. I am your host, Casey Shearer. Joining me, as always, Ray, the podcaster. What's going on, Casey? Not too much, Ray. We just had another great interview with the one, the only, Robert Hall. A.K.A. Slobby Robbie. That's right. Better known as Slobby Robbie. This was a great interview, man. We we learned a lot in this interview. I started it off with uh, asking him questions that I wanted to know personally about my own toy collection, which uh, led me into things that Robbie has never talked about really in uh, any of the other shows that I've seen him do, which uh, is the reason I asked him those questions, because once you watch the interview, uh, I think a lot of people will be shocked um as they will be shocked to find out what robbie did before he was a uh, vintage dealer that's right and it's not male gigolo so no there you go <laughs> yeah uh as many would think yeah robbie that, was not a male gigolo that's what i thought he did professionally for years yeah uh but this was a, a great interview um let's get Let's get right into it, Ray. Let's do it. After these quick plugs, <laughs> uh, we are a part of the Deluxe Edition Network over at deluxeeditionnetwork.com. There's no podcast of the month this month, but uh, please come over and check out all the other great shows. Uh, there's 18 of them now and uh, too many to list. Um, you can check us out at deluxe edition pod over on instagram and twitter or find all of our previous shows over at deluxe edition dot show uh if you'd like to support the show please come over to patreon.com slash deluxe edition pod or go to our youtube channel and uh, join our member page uh if you sign up for either of these i will send you the the podcast immediately after we record it unedited or you can buy our t-shirts over at whatamaneuver.net slash collection slash deluxe dash edition and ray where can people find you bud uh, they can find me at 10 cent beer night podcast uh on instagram facebook you can also go to t public buy my crap and you can listen to my podcast on spotify exclusively 
exclusively on Spotify. Yep. Ten Cent Beer Night Podcast. All right. And here is our chat with Slobby Robbie. Yes. Hey! What's going hey. on, man? Hey, dudes. How are you, man? Oh, just good, you know, bro. Out here smoking bowls in the rainstorm. <laughs> oh, it's raining in Tucson? What's up with that? Brah. There's something going on. I heard it's raining in LA and everywhere. Yeah, I couldn't. I actually, I travel for work, as uh, many of our listeners and viewers know, but I couldn't go to California last week because of the storms. Bro, I've been, I've been like canceling trips left and right. I'm not kidding. I've never had to cancel so many like flights. Uh, like what, like what the fuck? Yeah, it's crazy. I like, I told the story. Uh, last week it's actually airing right now we talked to uh, john candy's son chris candy and i was in uh, i had to drive from sacramento up to crescent city and then back and like i had it took me nine and a half hours the the way back because i had to go actually up into oregon and then back down like it was Whoa. So, so bad well i guess maybe this is the end of days <laughs> <laughs> or, just, or just a bad year for rain one of the two yeah I, let's uh let's hope not man so i want to get right into things here um <laughs> ray and i had a joke about that yeah. before uh we started so i know you're not into uh like anything prior to like the 80s or 90s but um let's just say like hypothetically th- that these evil knievel toys came out in the in the 80s all right yeah um, I, we, I sell evil knievel toys we have cool stuff from the 70s you know i've sold oh, okay all right, so I got this, and this this did not look like this when I got this. And if you're listening, uh, I suggest you come over to the YouTube channel and watch. My question for you, like, so I took, like, a sanding block to this and sanded it down to, to the, you know, the white. Like, so it's it looks brand new. And then I got not original stickers, but like exact replica stickers that somebody made and they had them on eBay. Um, So like, does that hurt the value increase the value? You know, cause this plant, like, you you know, these, these evil Knievel toys, like this is hard fucking plastic. You know what I mean? Like, so did I do damage to this? Increase the value? You did good. A, A restoration is always good when, if it's done right. Right. I think I've, I feel like people probably want to buy restored toys more than yellow toys. All right. Cool. But, I did the same with this. Uh, I did the same with this uh, motorcycle, too. Yeah, that's sick, man. I, I watch people do that stuff online all the time. I get a kick out of it. It's yeah. pretty dope. I've got I've I've done it. You know, I've gotten like old Spider-Man, black Spider-Man from Secret Wars and repainted him black on all his on all his chunked up spots and you know that's that's what it's all about bro is it's not letting stuff die and, and making it better again nice so one of the things i i've love love about you man is i watched a ton of videos in preparation for this and the reason i asked you that I wanted to start with that is you're so helpful to other uh like you know, vintage dealers and shop owners and, and just anybody like I've, I've watched videos where you'll go into another shop and people are like, can we shoot a video with, you know, you telling me about this stuff, you know, so I can get views on my YouTube. And, uh, Oh yeah. Do you, think- so you, you mean the toy store in San Diego? Is that what you're trying- <laughs> Yeah. There's a couple of those though. Like you, you, 
you do it at flea markets and all that shit. Something I've heard you mention a lot in over uh, in some of the interviews, but nobody really asks you too much about it is, do you think that comes from your time as a, a counselor, like in the group home, like helping, helping other people? And like, yeah. could you tell us about working in the group home and like how you got involved in that? Yeah. Yeah. That's 100%. Absolutely. A big part of everything. Um, I'm super into people, you know, and when it comes to, especially when it comes to knowledge and skills and conversation and sharing uh, and just that like exchange of energy, you know, and from, you know, between being a dad and being a teacher and, and, and of course, working with kids and, and at risk kids and working in the mental health field, my, my people skills really, uh, or my, my love of people, I should say more than anything is just, you know, kind of unstoppable because I'd rather, I'd rather do that. You know, honestly, I'd rather like hang out with and like talk shop with, with someone like you or help you bring your item back to life than like make a bunch of money off some rappers, you know, buying a rap tee at the end of the day. You know, I like kids. I really love when kids come in the shop and kind of help them with the, you know, put together an outfit or help them understand, you know, hats or sneakers or whatever it is they're into because, uh, that's everything. That's really everything right there, bro. You know, like like the weather can't stop us if we all if we're all like on the same page and looking out for each other. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So, how did you get involved with the group home? Like, how did how did that? Did you, so did you grow I, up in Tucson? My first, I'm in Tucson. I'm born and raised Tucson, Arizona. My store is two blocks from my high school, four blocks from my son's middle school. Uh, four minutes from my house in my elementary school across the street from university of Arizona, where I got all my degrees. This isn't necessarily by design or by choice as much as just organically still part of my community. Like I'm literally still donating money to the art program at my college. I'm still like donating my time and money to the high school that I went to. That's two blocks behind me. Uh, and, and so I'm a direct, uh, you know, I'm a direct involvement in my actual direct community. My kids go to the elementary school I went to. Uh, so, uh, very locally, locally based. And it's, I, I always think if you're going to make a difference or if you're going to get involved in anything, community, political based, whatever you have to start at home and, and go from there. So uh, I really all started with working with kids, you know, I was in high school and I volunteered at a preschool that was in my neighborhood, just helping, you know, kids and a lot of parents who were on government assistance with the preschools. So then, of course, the preschools were looking for volunteers because they can't really pay. So a pretty unique situation, but a pretty good gateway into like uh, my, my, my career of working with kids. Uh, and then I was a uh, uh, first thing I ever did was a preschool teacher i was like an after school guy and i'd play basketball with them after school and i called them up to the hoop to dunk then i eventually got my own class and became uh, a preschool teacher and i taught three-year-olds i taught first and second grade i've started working with older kids and uh you know kind of naturally moved into working with older older kids you know 13 through 17 at-risk youth and, and kids in group homes and foster care and wards of the state and frankly, just because that's, you know, a, a natural progression with money in that field, uh, you know, it, you know, that if you're if working with kids, all the money is in behavioral health, you know. So I got into behavioral health and realized, I think, quickly uh, something that it was really what we're talking about here is that it's like uh, it takes a village, you know, <laughs> it takes a village yeah. and, and, and like, um, 
you don't have to be somebody's dad or mom to make a difference in their life and help them along the way, you know? Yeah. So what led you to, to then getting out of it is, I mean, it's gotta be, uh, like a stre- very stressful job. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, not, not, not so much for me because, you know, at the time I didn't have children of my own. So I had that energy to give, you know, I had that, uh, energy that I could give to someone else's kids who they were, you know, maybe they, it didn't work out for that family, but I could come into the house and bring energy or help them all communicate with each other. Or I could help that child as they temporarily lived in our home, our group home and try to get them back to their parents' house or try to, you know, uh, you know, help with a success plan. Um, and I think, uh, I was always doing this, you know, that's, what's funny about it. I was, what was I doing with these kids, teaching them how to screen print, teaching them how to paint air force ones. Like I wasn't out here, like, you know, (laughs) just because I, just because I ran the like drug, you know, and, and alcohol counseling group doesn't mean that I wasn't like, doing drugs and alcohol. <laughs> you know, so, so in a way, I think that's probably what made me so successful was that I was so real and that I was myself and I wasn't like, you know, um, some lady, you know, who's just in it for her second job or, you know, I, I was there, I was there because it was fun for me, but I started realizing that my true interests and my true hobbies can also cross over with helping people. So I taught kids photography. I taught kids fashion. I, I taught kids about reselling shoes. And I have grown-ass men come in my store now. Uh, and they're like, yo, bro, like, you saved me. You saved my life. Or you taught me about entrepreneurship. Or you you always encouraged me to go to school. Or you you helped me get a job by writing me a letter of recommendation. You know? And honestly, I don't even remember these people, bro. Yeah. I, 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 and, and not in a bad way, but sometimes I'm just like, stoked for them <laughs> somebody <laughs> i worked for a month maybe you know and, and yeah. they a big impression on them uh, and it for me it was just uh, doing something that comes natural to me which is like being cool as fuck <laughs> hell yeah man <laughs> no i think that's awesome because like honestly like if, if someone knows you from your instagram page or, or whatever you know coming into your store and they and they take a look at you you're, you're not someone that someone's first impression would be this guy was a, a counselor and a preschool teacher. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, not, not, it, it's not, not to be meant in a bad way. You know what I mean? Cause I think it's fucking awesome. Yeah. I think, uh, it, you know, it, I guess at the end of the day, it's all the same thing. It's all communication. You know, when I'm teaching people about clothes, it's no different than when I was teaching kids about art and it was no different when I was teaching somebody about like, anger management or you know or 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 how to communicate with their with their parents or so it's all like really good people skills you know i feel like if college did anything for me you know i i I wouldn't i wouldn't i you know i'm not going to tell my kids they necessarily have to go to college to be successful just based on what i've learned in life but I, i definitely learned a lot about people skills so i could be like very unprofessional and be myself Right. But somehow still be professional and get hired to do things like speak at colleges and <laughs> actually be, take care of people's children, <laughs> but still yeah. be like, still be like the type of motherfucker to take a bong in the rip in the parking <laughs> lot, you know, and like, and like, you know, steal some batteries from Target, you know, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. And it's, it's gotta feel awesome too. Like when younger kids and stuff are coming in and they're into the same kind of stuff that you're into, like the, the vintage, the eighties and nineties uh, type of stuff. I think I guess that's what the big eureka moment was that everybody loves this stuff. 
it wasn't just me. It was because for me, I wasn't like, hey, this is what stuff was like when I was a kid. It was like, this is my life. I'm still into like toy. I was, you know, 21 years old, still collecting toys. And when I was back in the early 2000s, if you collected toys, you were a nerd. Or if you had a bunch of sneakers, you were weird. And so I was, I think if anything along the way, the only thing I've ever pioneered was not being embarrassed to be yourself. You know, in every shape, way, or form, you know, and being into the things that you want to be into. It's just, it's all come really natural to me. And I never along the way had any like decisions about like terminology or like, I'm going to sell vintage or, you know, like for me, it was just like, it was pretty sick to like be on eBay at all. Like just when I discovered eBay and like, you know, I got cable internet at my house like 2001 and I'm like, oh my God. You know, like there's people who like say the same things as me. There's people who care about the same thing as me and they're selling their stuff from their house. You know, it was just like this amazing moment of connection. So you're you're around the same age as I am, right? You're 1980, right? Yeah, 1980. Yeah. Bro, the best year to be born. Hell yeah, brother. I'm just a little bit uh, younger than you. I was born in November. You're, you're September, right? Yep. Yeah. When you were a graphic designer, is that what you went to school for or... Originally, yeah, um, illustration and, and, and I guess what we would call graphic design now, a lot more uh, hand-drawn based stuff. This is even, I mean, Photoshop and Illustrator that my, my college was just barely getting Photoshop and Illustrator as I was like graduating. So I was like hand-drawing illustrations and cutting out letters and shit. It's like 1998, you know? Sure. <laughs> so, so we're, so we're like, when you were, when you were growing up, were you into like the 60s and 70s then or were you like into the like were you into the stuff that we were growing up with yeah all of the above you know i kind of ran that sort of this sort of this sort of scale of like my childhood and a lot of the stuff that i sort of like promote now like you know whether it's mcdonald's you know old mcdonald's stuff or mr t or you know like some of these like really cool cultural like iconic things that i'm always like highlighting uh, that's that's me like age you know zero through ten right then you go into like the skateboarding graffiti punk rock and like early 90s hip-hop era where like everything was everything and all of a sudden like you could be you could go to see bad brains and and, and, and be into rap and be into skateboarding and you know so i and of course that time is when i started discovering records and the doors and drugs and you know and things that were very very like very 90s but at the same time the 90s was very much replicating the seventies, you know, at that time with like being free or, you know, free thinking or that the idea of the individual, you know? And so I discovered the seventies and the nineties. And then by the time, you know, the two thousands came, you know, I, I, I'm a very, very, I'm a very authentic and I, I and I'm never, ever going to be able to talk about shit that I just don't know about, right? So I don't know about Pokemon, bro. So I like when people are like, we want to pay you to come open Pokecards Live. Like, I don't, like, that's not my thing. And it's going to come off unauthentic and it's going to be corny because I'm not excited. I don't give a fuck about Pokemon, bro. <laughs> Watch the show. I never had a Pokemon card. But so this is why the 60s and 70s stuff is awesome. I could tell you, I could talk to you about 70s movies and, you know, I just watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last night and was thinking about a lot of these sort of concepts of film in 60s and 70s. But when I'm going to feed to my audience as far as like what, you know, what runs through my blood is what I grew up with. Right. So and in early 2000s, graffiti and hip hop stuff is, is in my wheelhouse, too. 
because it's real to me. You know, I only know about the doors from my dad. So that's a secondhand account. You know, I can talk all day about that stuff. But at the same time, if, if I'm going to really start running my mouth and being know it all about anything, it's usually about stuff I have a lot of experience in. We were talking about that uh, so almost the same same for me. When that doors when the doors movie came out, that's yeah. like when everything changed. Like I, I was like, holy shit! Like I didn't know that fucking world existed before that. You know what I mean? And it's like same <laughs> thing. I started getting into all that all that type of st- shit, like the Grateful Dead, the Doors. Yeah, I somehow yeah. was into the Grateful. I went to summer camp, and a bunch of my like older camp counselors had Grateful Dead shirts and Doors shirts, and I remember just being like, fuck yeah, Grateful Dead, man. You know, like, and I'm like, dude, like. No, I would have. Ne- I didn't even know how soft, you know, based on the logo. I thought that shit was like hard. And then, oh, I was, yeah. is it, you know, later on in life, I was like, oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> not what. So, are any of those like speaking of the dead now? Um, have you found or seen any of those like old bootlegs of those, like the lot shirts or anything? Like, are they are they oh, still around? Or I got a Jerry Starbucks shirt right now at the shop, and it's like Jerry Bucks. You know, and it's like, instead of like the, the Starbucks mermaid, it's like Jerry and he's all, you know, so just as an example, like I got, I got a mushroom one right now. I, I actually like the bootlegs the most because obviously they're the most obscure and they're the most, you know, unique. Um, I'm not honestly a, a huge expert on Grateful Dead in general, I, you know, because again, it would just be, I just told you the story about me being a poser already, just right. like I basically just liked their logo when I was a kid, and I don't. I don't think I heard their music till like I was a grown up, and I heard their music, and I was like, "Oh, not my thing, but <laughs> cool, right?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you oh. won't really see me wearing, you know. I I only I wear Grateful Dead in, in jest, you know, almost usually. Is there anything more you can talk about the graphic designing? Like you've designed all your own yeah. logos and all that yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, this is something that just never left. Um, in fact, all my real actual training and schooling is all in art. I never went to school for psychology or any of this stuff. I just was able to use the fact that I had a master's degree to get a certificate and then push myself into uh, an area where I could make more money. You know, and, and, and so really my true background is all in art-based. Illustration, graphic design, um, and, uh, screen printing. My, my bachelor's is in screen printing and printmaking. And then my master's in art education, which in gallery and museum management. So really just how to show people around an art space, how to teach them about art, basically what I'm doing with the store. So um, I, I, I drew just as recently as like our last collaboration at ThriftCon Las Vegas, I, I hand drew the whole teacher. I just had a graphic designer clean it up. I'm more of an idea guy now. I just sketch on napkins and send it off to the guys. But I am really into screen printing. And that's like probably my... My one true love is probably where art and fashion meet, which to me is usually in, in the form of T-shirts. That's and, awesome. You know, wearable art. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So so that gets me into – we were talking a little bit about bootlegs, and uh, Ray has yes. been uh, making some yeah. bootlegs uh, here. <laughs> Ray! <of late. laughs> yeah. So what I, what I do is, is uh, we have a network of shows – so what I did was is I uh, I took their logos and I switched them a little bit and I threw them up on my page's uh, T Public site until I got the cease and desist order from one of them. Nice, that's welcome, yeah. up, buddy. You're, you're official <laughs> member now. Yeah, it's was, it was going well. I sold one. 
And, and then I got the cease and desist. <laughs> it didn't take very long, by the way. It was like no. less than a week. Depends on the company, but they can get there fast. I, I lost my Instagram from Starter, uh, which is funny because I've like worked with Starter and Champion, and they've like sent me clothes, and then I flipped a sl- Starter into Slobby, <laughs> but I changed the star on Starter to a pentagram. And Starter is actually owned by Walmart, which is the Waltons, which is Christian yeah. Coalition. So I actually think they weren't too stoked that I took their <laughs> a pentagram. And so I lost. They're pretty. They're pretty powerful. They. I lost my Instagram for three months because of Walmart. Holy wow. shit! Yeah, Damn. bro. Fuck. Fuck wow. them. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I've had cease and desist from Lucas Films, uh, Star <laughs> Starter, Louis Vuitton, and uh, some other brands that nobody gives a shit about. And I was just like, yeah, nobody cares, dude. Like you just. <laughs> and then, but like, I, I would say for every one time that's happened. Three of these brands, like MCM or Gucci, has like wanted to work with me and sent me product, and you know, uh, Champion, um, Skids, you know, all these cool brands from the eighties and nineties have like reached out. Um, Blue Blockers sends me like cool glasses all the time. So for every one time that someone is a little tone deaf and not understanding, because there's a difference between just like trying to make fake Louis Vuitton purses and and like what you and I are <laughs> doing, which is basically like artistic satire or mm. you know it's basically like memeing on a t-shirt you know it depends on how you look yeah. at it but like you know they like they everybody needs to relax because it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna happen either way it's like the it's like pirated music you know yeah 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 so let's talk about the the bootleg so what what is the difference between a bootleg and a replica um well i don't know i, I guess you could pour alcohol inside of a bootleg right um let's see i'm trying to think of something here so let's say that i'm like in mexico and i'm making mexican blow molds right i'm sure you guys have seen those they're really cool they're like weird alt versions of toys oh i got one i got a mix this is like a big ass prince adam from he-man look at that but he's like yeah someone just like took the he-man and did like a times 10 scale you know what i'm saying so like Mm -hmm. obviously mattel never made these so they can't be a, a replica, right? Like, if Mattel never made some big-ass oversized Prince Adam, then the guy in Mexico is not, you know, he might be infringing on their, like, character trademark, but mm-hmm. he's not faking. He's not making a fake item, right? But if I want to make this Mario and I want to do a Mexican blow mold, then I, I, I make I make this of that, and I'm trying to make it look like this, and I paint it the exact same way, and I'm trying to get that same texture I'm probably trying to make a replica, right? I'm making a fake version that wasn't made by Nintendo. It was made by me. But if I just make a blow mold and I do it super sick like this and I paint him fucking purple and give him like red eyes and, you know, like and make him like a weird size that Nintendo would have never made, all of a sudden you're dealing with a bootleg, an homage, if you will. Okay. Hmm. That makes sense. So yeah. again, Liquor, right? There, there, if you were making bootleg liquor and during Prohibition, you were making your own liquor. You weren't like copying Jack Daniels, or you know, you weren't like, but you weren't making. You know, there was such thing as like, you know, fake or dummy liquor where it would say Jack Daniels and it's inside like a fake, you know, handmade Jack Daniels bottle where the person made the label. But real bootleg liquor was bootleg. It was in it was in their boots inside of like metal containers and inside of like flasks. So it was homemade, right? So, you know, this is like obviously like 
even if someone in China ripped off Nintendo and made this without their consent, it's a fake Mario. You know, whereas like this is somebody making their own liquor. You know, is a bootleg the same then as a custom? I think so, but also you could be custom without being bootleg. So if you get a pair of Air Force Ones and you add Louis Vuitton to it and sew it right on top of the material, you're not bootlegging anything because you didn't like copy. You added something on you, but the, but both items are real. You used a real Louis Vuitton purse and you used a real pair of Air Force Ones that you bought from Nike. There's nothing bootleg about that at all. It's a custom. Okay. So I don't yeah. think. You could be bootleg and custom. You could buy a bunch of bootleg spandex and make yourself a fucking spandex Gucci suit and wear it, you know, to like the Pride Festival. But like, that's a, you know, that's bootleg and custom, I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. So how, how, like, where do the, I'm sure you've seen these, like all these pop, the pop custom figures that are, so like, how does that how is pop vinyl or whoever the, you know the company is how are they allowing that because they're everywhere so like what, what, custom... what what are you talking about people making their own pop yeah what are those things called pop something i forget yeah pop vinyl pop vinyl are they called pop uh fuck funko pops right funko pops yeah yeah funko yeah yeah they're making blank funko pops and then painting themselves yeah it's copyright infringement, you know, because Funko like created that shape and that size. And, you know, it's, it's, it, I don't care. I wouldn't, you know, I think it's cool, but you know, that's, there's, I guess you almost have to approach every situation and categorize it and kind of know as, as the, I almost as the consumer, bro, you know, in my world, I look at something like modern bootleg. That's an old bootleg. That's just a fake. That's just the blah, blah, blah. That's the original. Or that's the second remake of the original. Just like with fucking videotapes and, you know, all this stuff. You just have to know the differences and all the different and all the different nuances when you're the consumer. So I've seen, you know, bootleg McDonald's toys because I collect McDonald's. And I'm like, I have never seen this toy in my life. So I have to, like, as the consumer, go through the line and be like, all right, this dude either made it himself, you know, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'll message the person. Oh, did you make this? You know, like no, I bought it from, but you know, so I'm like, okay, it's a, it's a, it's a bootleg from China. You know, so it's, it's a, it's a, um, it's an interesting world out there because pretty much anybody can just be artistic and do whatever they want. And you know, sometimes it's better, bro. You know, I've gotten boot, bootleg albums that had like, you know, a bunch of different songs and live songs, and you know, and and, and sometimes bootleg is better, but sometimes you want the real deal, like you know, with a bottle of Cristal or something. You know, it's right. Sometimes you get the real deal. Only only the real deal does the trick, right? Right. Ray and I were talking before the show started. Also, like uh, it's all it's like the same be- with uh, vintage and then replica or vintage and replica, right? Or retro. They're calling it retro, retro now, right? Retro. Yeah. Like so, when when this is a question that Ray and I had be- before the show started. So like. With cars, with vehicles, you know, there's a certain date, like 20 years. I think it's 30 years here in Florida. Uh, it's like 20 to 25 years when you can get the classic plates on a yes. car. Vehicle. So, like, when does a, a T-shirt or a toy or or something like that, other than a vehicle, become vintage? Uh, you know, I didn't. I, I, 
you know, I don't know who the fuck's making these rules, man. I, I went on eBay in the early 2000s, and apparently I was vintage, you know? Like, I'm 22 years old on eBay, and all the Michael Jordan shirts from 1989 that I want that match my sneakers all, are all called vintage on eBay. And I'm like, vintage? I thought vintage was old leather jackets and old Levi's. I'm not vintage. My, my, my childhood's not vintage. <laughs> So I didn't. I, that never. That never occurred to me. I would use it to find the stuff I wanted on eBay as a keyword on my searches, but then I started realizing with sneakers, I started realizing that um, they were remaking the shoes from 1989, but in 2002, those aren't vintage, quote unquote. Those were retro. Those were remakes. So, you know, the culture almost sometimes makes up its own terminology you know the word bootleg who knows somebody made that up in the 1920s and it stuck you know it's just sort of like the 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 the, the scene you know the scene itself creates you know the rules and the knowledge and the uh so i think at one point by the time i even opened my store in 2012 sorry 2013 when we opened our store in 2013 i didn't use the word vintage nobody came in my store and was like oh you're a vintage reseller I was like, nah, man, it's generation cool. Like we, we just sell, we have, we got He-Man, we got Jordans, we got, you know, I, I just felt like it was a boutique, you know, it was just a, it was just a selection. It was a, it was a curation that I had made up based on my life and my experience, the things I wanted to get out into the world. So I, I, I wasn't until a couple of years in when people were like, you're a, oh, you're my favorite reseller. Like I was an athlete or something. Oh, you're my favorite reseller. Uh, vintage this, vintage that, vintage Arizona, vintage Philadelphia, California vintage, 808 vintage. Like I'm like, who the fuck are these people, bro? And how are they vintage? How do they know anything about vintage if they're 20 years younger than me? Because I felt like I was too young to be calling the stuff I grew up with vintage. So um, I think, you know, if you're trying to have a hard and fast rule, you could just say 20 years. You know, because now uh, stuff from, oh, you know, even 15 years, stuff from 2000 to 2005 to us now, that's old, bro. That's a 20-year-old shirt, Thundercats shirts from the mall in the early 2000s with the changes, all those, like, when they first started retroing, all those things are vintage now. Stuff that I went to the mall in my early 20s, and I'm like, oh, they retro Thundercats shirts? Oh, wow. <laughs> like, this is sick. They're making them in my size. Then I'm like, cool, they're 15 bucks. I'm going to buy four of them. Like, it was cool. And now them shirts are vintage, and they're $60 shirts. And I'm like, what the fuck? This shit just yeah. wraps itself around me twice. You know? <laughs> twice, you know? So I guess, you know, to me, I think of older stuff as vintage. Um, and I think of stuff that's newer. It could still be cool. It could still be dope. It doesn't need to have a name or necessarily fit. But I, I, I when someone has a historic vehicle plate and they don't have like a super old car, they look kind of like a dork. So yeah. you got to let dorks be dorks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I wore this shirt. This is, uh, uh, I was told, a vintage uh, Army of Darkness shirt from yeah. uh, 1993. So yeah. it's an original Army of Darkness shirt. Yeah. Sick. So, what's the tag look like, bro? What's the tag? It's uh, <laughs> there's a tag. I'm not gonna take it off on air and show you the tag. I, I'll tell you after. Yeah, see if you can read. It. I'll tell you after. Right. Um, but that that I want to go back into uh, toys a little bit here. So I, you know, I just actually all these toys. Like I don't normally have these all sitting here. I put these here for the show. Uh, all my old wrestling figures here. But I recently, like, I started watching wrestling again uh, after this AEW started, and then I actually started collecting, like, newer toys, and I found out about these chase figures. Yep. Um, 
Like, have they have they always been a thing? Um, not necessarily. No, actually, I think Chase figures are following almost more of a trend of baseball cards and maybe high fashion and stuff. Whereas, you know, what you would consider a vintage chase figure were usually misprints, recalled toys, toys they made too many of, or the line got canceled, so they pulled them, right? So I'm into, like, I'm into uh, Secret Wars Marvel, right? So, like, <clears throat> it was, you know, they're going to make a movie. It's probably going to be, like, the next Endgame, the next big Marvel. But um, Secret Wars, you know, Fantastic Four, Avengers, X-Men, they're all on the same team. It's a great concept. But the fucking toys are, like, amazing. It was the first time that they ever did, like, a lot of these guys movable. They, they were all, like, little statues before. Of course, the first black Spider-Man. First time you ever saw Wolverine in plastic. Look at that. Nice. I mean, yeah, I, I fucking had all those. <laughs> so I have every... This is the whole first and second series, right? But what I, not, what I don't have... What I don't have are the European release ones. Iceman, Constrictor. You know, they're just weird bootleg not bootleg really fringe characters that were only released in like italy and mexico because they pulled the line and they just dumped them into europe so they're they weren't cha- they're chase they're chase figures for me now like if i find if i go to a toy show and someone has Iceman, i'm gonna be like oh Iceman. <laughs> you know? because it's just it, bro it's like my chase figure from when i was a kid right right well, tracy line uh what they started realizing was the toy of the blank, right? If you pulled off the blank's mask, it was Madonna's face underneath. But then they realized that they, if kids got the toy before they saw the movie, they were ruining the fucking the cliffhanger. They were ruining the surprise in the movie. So they recalled all the blanks, and now it's an eight hundred dollar toy. Holy shit! So that's an example of a, you know, chase figure or. Or in He-Man, in He-Man, bro, Scare Glow and all these like super cool bad guys that were only from the very last. Again, they only got dumped into like foreign countries and stuff. They're some of the coolest characters, but they didn't. They they just didn't uh, arrive to the U.S. So anyone who has them here got them from overseas. So it's they they kind of become the chase figure. So that's how I learned about that sort of like idea and concept. And yeah. then um. When I when they retroed the He-Man in the early 2000s, they did like the 20 year anniversary or whatever, and that's when I realized there was like a faker and there was like another version of Skeletor that was super rare. And I started being like, oh, oh, oh. I gotta try to go to Walmart to find the. You know, and I remember my uh, my homies are like, what are you talking about? Dude? <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, no, I gotta find this version of Skeletor. You know, <laughs> so it, I think around the early 2000s, they really caught on from like. You know, Japanese stuff and fashion and, and, and Nikes and trading cards. You know, Nike really nailed that at one point. They started making stuff that was for events only or super rare or, you know, only available in one country. So uh, I, I like that. You know, obviously, you know, even in WWF, like the rubber wrestlers, like the old LJN, like I still I don't have a. Um, yeah, JD. <laughs> JYD. Um, I don't have Ultimate Warrior. Because they oh, didn't yeah. make that many of him, dude. And he was so popular, but he just was like a weird, he was like the Punisher. He was like a weird, like everyone loved him, but they didn't make a lot of like merch of him, you know? So it was like, and now he's 200 bucks on eBay, bro. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to pay that. Those are my chase figures, the rare, the rare stuff, you know? Yeah. I've been looking for, um, I don't, ha- I don't, haven't really started collecting them at all. Cause like once I do, I, I just, I'll, go down the fucking rabbit hole but there is a special one that i'm looking for remember the hasbro figures 
the the WWF Hasbro figures. Oh yeah, we sell um, them. There's a there's a Dusty Rhodes that I've been looking for with the polka dots. Yeah, he's the rare one. He's the third, yeah. right? He's the third version. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's crazy. Like the the I never knew that about the that other countries were getting different toys. Right. Yeah, that's what's cool, man. So like um there's even so like the card the cards for these the cards were different um and then even when you look at like ninja turtles some of the ninja turtles were getting painted different they were setting off the molds and they were painting them different in the other countries so you know they'll be like oh that's the european Raphael because his head his eyes are all light and his head's soft and he, he's light red you know and i'm like what you know so i because you know you, i always would wonder like why is this one more more than that one they look the same you know yeah like yeah, dude, that's awesome like that is Cool. That's a good, that's a good looking toy right there. That's a badass. Very, cool. <laughs> Very cool. Check that out. Oh that's, yeah. That's, that is my original lunchbox from when I was in first grade. That's sick. I got this one from uh apparently from Colin Yarez. <laughs> 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 but it's it, really rare to find secret wars branded stuff and i wanted yeah. something to keep my toy collection in so but i love these old metal i mean come on bro yeah. oh, that's vintage yeah. you know what i'm saying yes, like, sir that's vintage come on oh yeah and those like those are worth more than when you have also the thermos inside of them also right like when, big, when you big bucks yeah big, yeah big, big i don't i don't have my thermos i have a flintstones thermos inside of it yeah yeah, is it the original <laughs> Flintstones ther- thermos, uh, though? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, the thermos was weird. Your apple juice would taste weird. <laughs> like, you never, you know, your milk would be warm. You know, the thermos I was think, a uh, Yeah, I, I think mostly mine had, like, chicken noodle soup in it. Oh, so you guys are from the East Coast, though, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm no, Cleveland, yeah. Soup, homeboy. We're, we're like, like, you know, we're like chewing on ice and shit. <laughs> oh shit! So, what got you into the the selling the vintage was you were a collector at heart, right? You're you're a collector at heart, right? Yeah, just sort of getting on eBay and trying to find shoes I wanted, and then realizing like, dang, dude, like you know, let's say I want old starter jacket, I'm trying to find a big one. And I keep seeing them, and everyone's asking for a hundred bucks. And this is the early two thousands; it's like two hundred and fifty now. So I'm like, I'm wondering, like, hmm. damn, dude. Like, so if I find one, if I find this jacket and it's a medium and it doesn't fit me, I mean, I'm gonna put it up for a hundred because I'm not dumb. So I, once I started realizing that there was like a market, right? So that I, I started realizing I could compare and I could use other people selling to show me what I could be selling for. Um, and it was game over then, bro. And then this is when electronic funds and making money off the internet was like still very new. But my mom's like, I'm telling my mom selling toys on eBay, you know, and she's like, what? <laughs> what if they, what if the money's not real? You know, and I'm like, no, nah, mom, <laughs> real. It goes in my account. Like it goes to PayPal. <laughs> it goes to this little uh, site called PayPal. And then I go to PayPal and I put it in my bank account. And, um, I, I, I was waking up to money. I was on, I'm in vacation in Europe, waking up to four hundred dollars. You know, so I, I, it was it, it was a no brainer for me because I I was using the money to buy myself cool and expensive clothes, and then taking home a little profit to keep the business going. You know, and that's I'm talking two thousand one. We started doing that. Yeah, 
That's awesome. Yeah, my mom, uh, my mom and stepdad, they still do that. They that's their business. They go to different auctions and find stuff. They buy like you know lots of stuff and then you know break it down and sell it on eBay and then you know go to flea markets and shit and sell it on the weekends. Yeah, I love it. And, and you know, dude, you just gotta do whatever you whatever you love, man. You know, if you're into quilting, you know, whatever. If you're, I love all of it. But like for me, at heart. At heart, I'm a true collector. I love to just make art and make T-shirts and hang out and, and maybe like volunteer and help kids all day. <clears throat> and then I want to like collect. I want. I like to spend. That's the thing about me is like when people only care about selling and they're not. They don't collect anything. That's suspect to me, bro. Like so right. you're so you're only you know you like movies because you can resell movies or do you really enjoy watching and collecting movies? You know. So like to me, if you're not a collector, you're sus. You know. Yeah. And I'm, you're probably not my homie. My homies collect, so I find them cheap. I find them thousand dollar, you know, Levi's that they want, and, and I give them to them for a hundred. And they find stuff I like, and we. That's like the little homie, like vintage, like network. But at the end of the day, I'd rather be a collector than be a seller. I really would. I wouldn't even be here if I wasn't collecting. Uh, you know, this like this is stuff I all brought home from the shop that I just couldn't do without. Right. You know, like and. Like, I- and as a collector, it helps with the selling because then you know you know like you know more about you know this this sure. stuff than anyone I've you know that we've yeah. ever talked you to. Sell a Mercedes and you don't drive Mercedes, bro. You know, right. like I'm selling five hundred dollars shirts. I be- I tell my staff, you better look like you better look like you sell five hundred dollars shirts. <laughs> you better brush your hair, bro. You know, like right. might want to brush your hair, dog. You know, we're selling we're selling shirts with holes in them for five hundred bucks. You <laughs> I want to turn the charm on, Bucko. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, so like dressing and stuff, you know, you're, you're talking about how to dress. Are you still the owner of the largest bootleg Gucci collection? Probably, probably. Um, I, I that's a really good question. Uh, I don't see why not. I don't know anybody who like ever hits me up with like crazy collection photos. Like I might be the only one. Like um, I want. I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, you know, with bad taste enough to like collect all this shit. Like <laughs> I might be the only cringiest, cr- cringy, you know, person cringy enough to like, um, you know. But I probably got stuff that no one else has. You know. Uh, I probably got like, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't have what I used to though. You know, again, you get older and as a collector, you also realize that like some stuff actually drags you down and toys actually take up a lot less room than clothes. Clothes can be very daunting and they're kind of heavy and they, it's kind of a cycle. You have to wash them and carry them to your next house. Like when you have a lot of clothes, it can really bog you down in life. So I've learned to sell stuff along the way and, I don't I don't hoard the Gucci the way I used to, but I got some like really sick stuff like uh, placemats, you know, for Thanksgiving, like Gucci placemats, and and I got a lot of real Gucci stuff. I probably have more real stuff than I do bootleg stuff now, just because I got richer, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. So did the did the collecting lead into like? into the store the generation cool you own generation cool in tucson arizona did did you just have too much stuff then that you had to start getting rid of it that you decided to open the store or you know how did that work 
No, not really, because I had been selling it all. You know, I had a pretty. I wasn't. I, I wasn't hoarding. A lot of these people are like, "Oh, I'm saving it all for my store." Like, I, I wish I had done that. Probably would have been smarter. But I was always selling it, so I didn't have much. Um, it was more of a reaction to not wanting to get a job coming out of grad school, man. You know, I looked at like you know radio. I was going to be a radio personality, but you know, you get up at four in the morning and you're getting twelve bucks an hour, bro. Like, come on, dude. It's garbage, you know, and, and, and you, you know, that you're going to change your voice and you almost got to pretend to be someone else. And <laughs> I don't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to really want to work with kids anymore because I wanted to be able to like, put, you know, put this, this energy out there and do this stuff. So I was really um, actually a result of me being a party planner and event planner. I was doing a monthly event for Hotel Congress here in Tucson. I did a bikini island party with girls in bikinis and torches, and we blew up a volcano. I did a fast food party where we put a thousand, we made a pyramid of a thousand real hamburgers. I bought a thousand hamburgers from Whataburger, and we made a pyramid of a. I got I got a donation, an art donation, and we made a pyramid of a thousand hamburgers. I was frying uh, fries right on the right on the patio of the nightclub, just like combining cool stuff. And like sort of um, interactive stuff with nightclub stuff. And I made a party called Generation Cool. I didn't want to say, hey, we're having an 80s, 90s party. Like that's just burnt. <laughs> so I say, hey, Generation Cool. Like I, just, I was coming up with cool non sequitur names for all my parties, you know. And so I said, Generation Cool. We had a Mario Brothers contest, pizza decorating contest like Ninja Turtles where girls were putting gummy worms on pizzas and we were cooking them. Uh, I had a toy installation and people were all of a sudden buying my old Storm Shadow toy from when I was a kid for a hundred bucks. I, I sold the Mickey telephone that was part of the installation. I had racks of clothes, you know, like thrift style and all of a sudden the clothes were flying. Then I'm thinking, okay, okay, all right. I think I finally have put all my shit in one basket here, you know? <laughs> I, I, you know, it's experience, it's art, it's art installation, it's an activation, it's a pop-up, but at the same time, it's a business. And it's serious and it's for collectors and, you know, and, and social media, I'm becoming at this point in time, I'm becoming like a character on social media in my own right, just from being out at nightclubs and sticking my tongue out and, you know, spinning, spinning alcohol on people like Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds, you know, I had a certain sort of, I had a certain persona built up already on the, uh, on social media. So all of this stuff kind of just kind of really, I guess, um, fell into place serendipitously. And all of a sudden, I had a brick-and-mortar location fell in to place. And I said, you know, that was the most popular and best energy I've ever gotten from any project I've ever done in my entire life. Maybe I should run with that because it seems to represent me very well. It's a very authentic thing for me. And it was something I would love to get paid to go shopping. I get paid to go shopping, bro, and sell it to cool people like you guys or whoever, you know? So, yeah. like, I didn't realize it was my life's dream, but... It was, you know, it, it was just sort of like something I, I, I organically, you know, followed my nose, you know, to the to the scent of like having fun. That's awesome, man. So then how how did the, the Netflix show come about then, the Slobby's World? Well, you know, when you're charming and handsome and super smart, you know, they just, you, you know, people just magnetize to you. <laughs> um. Well, then we should be rolling on the Netflix yeah. show any fucking day now. Um, Fuck yeah. So, yeah. You guys, I'm surprised. <laughs> they haven't called you that yet? They haven't called you that uh, <laughs> Not yet. 
Um, so, you know, I, I kind of went the old-fashioned route of getting discovered, quote-unquote. So I had, you know, I'm in L.A., and, and I'm wiling, and I'm out with two girls, and I got a silk Versace shirt on, and have people are asking me for pictures, and I do absolutely nothing that would make <laughs> you want to take a picture with me, you know? So, and, that's, and rich dudes are looking, you know, in Hollywood. You know, I'm in downtown Hollywood, and at a club at, at the bottom of a fancy hotel, and I had some dude, you know, say, hey, man. Here's my card. Um, you know, I want you to be on my pilot for a comedy show, similar to like Always Sunny on a, you know an FX show, like another comedy show similar to a Seinfeld or an Always an ensemble comedy, uh, you know, nonfiction, right? So I go in and audition for that. I start hanging out in LA. And I start feeling pretty comfortable with a camera pointing at me, telling people that I'm on TV, that I'm going to be on TV. You know, I'm just one of these people that's sort of like you know. Everything I say, I usually do. So when I started telling people I was auditioning for TV shows, it was only a matter of time. And then a reality producer got a hold of me somehow and got my phone number and said, "You know, I'm I'm thinking non, I'm thinking non-scripted. You know, is what they call it, a reality show." And he's like, "I don't mm-hmm. think we, I don't think we need you to act like anybody but yourself. I think just you." And I said, "Yeah, fuck yeah, that's what I think too." And he goes, "Well, I think we have a show." He asked me, "What's the craziest thing that's ever happened?" and you know, what's this? And the most expensive item he sold, and his mind was blown at this industry and some of the things I had already been through at that point in time since 2016. And um, he goes, I think we have a show. And I said, I know we have a show. And he goes, all right, I like your attitude. And he came out and shot a pilot on his own money, the producer, a week later, bro. And I'm out there doing Adderall, being funny, being charming, fucking being in And uh, then... Um, all the ducks fell in a row. Complex was looking for a new reality show. My agent had already shot a pilot. Complex came up to me at an event, and I and I, I, I you know, I connected the dots. I said, "No, I already have a show." And they go, "Well, really?" And I go, "Yeah, we have a pilot." <laughs> I'll have my producer. I kept saying, "My, you know, my, my, I have my producer." <laughs> you know, I'm just talking no talk, bro. And then all of a sudden, in light with Complex, million dollar TV project, and then um, two years later. After the show comes out in 2017 on Complex, goes viral a little bit. I, you know, got some good recognition, some followers. It was cool. Uh, then they sell it to Netflix in 2019, and all hell breaks loose. But like, I just just for the record, people get confused a lot. I never ever made a show for Netflix. I've never worked for Netflix. I never dealt with Netflix. I didn't make a dime off Netflix. Uh, in fact, I got exploited by Netflix, and they sold the show to cable in Europe. And I've never seen a dime since. And my face is all over signs and posters in Europe. My show in Europe is called Generation Cool. I don't, I don't think Slobby translated very well for them. <laughs> so my cool show was viral in Europe and really blew up. Um, but that, that was whatever complex, whatever deal complex did uh, had nothing to do with me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I actually, people are like, oh, you didn't get renewed on Netflix, and your show on Netflix got canceled, and it's just not true. I never had a show on Netflix. My Netflix bought reruns of my show on Complex. A lot of people, gotcha. get, a lot of people get it twisted. Yeah, yeah, I never knew that. That's uh, well, that sucks. That they, how can they do that? Like, how can they fucking take your your likeness probably, and probably um, after a certain amount of time, there was a clause where they, you know where they could sell it. And I remember at one point my agent telling me it could end up on cable afterward, whatever. To me, it didn't seem like a bad thing, but I didn't realize that I was out of the equation. And like, you know, I got paid up front, bro. You know, I got paid before we even shot, you know, 
they just they just wanted to you know it's like doing an album and they're like hey we're gonna front you a mill and you make the album you know and I did it I made the fucking album for better or gotcha. for worse. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, let's see here. So, uh, your glasses, you're, you're always wearing, uh, different glasses. Those are, you're always wearing vintage frames too, correct? Yeah, this, these are vintage. They're, uh, from the eighties. They're called ultra Goliath, most famously worn by DMC from run DMC and also Harry Carey and also Robert De Niro. So in, in casino, he's, I have every color, bro. I got, I got, you know, I got bedazzled ones. I got hot pink. I got lime green. Uh, but the the classics are usually black or brown, and they're usually worn by people the likes of you know mobsters in movies, Harry Carey, uh, and then in a hip hop sense, of course. But I think mostly yeah. popularized by DMC more than anybody. Sure. So the slobby Robbie that we see on Instagram and Slobby's World, how different is that slobby than you know your personal life, like your no, there's not much difference, right? Like you live your like it, you live your character, right? Yeah, not at all. No different. I didn't, I didn't create Slobby Robbie. Some girl, you know, went on <laughs> and wrote me a poem and said, you know, I used to be. I don't know how I was Slob Rob one time. I think because I found a garbage pail kid that said Slob Rob, and then I used it as my profile pic on MySpace. You know, when you're just coming up with a handle, and then some girl at the bar is like Slobby Robbie, and I was like, okay. And she's like, I'm going to write you a poem. And <laughs> morning, and at like five in the morning, on my MySpace wall, she's like, Slobby Robbie, you're my favorite hobby. If I were to <laughs> tell, I would want you in my lobby. And so I, and I'm like, wow, this is a classic. So I just like, shared it. And it really took on a life of its own. You can't make your own nickname, bro. Like, you can't, you know, like, write in your 40s, bro. Like, shit has to happen organically, you know? So yeah. along the way, I just, it was just a name that stuck, and honestly, it was it had it, it was like something I had to invent or think about by any means. This was just something that I realized people were gravitating towards the energy. You know, I was young, I was partying, I had you know women and money and sports cars, and you know, sort of a an early version of you know some of these like unfortunately more misogynistic alpha type characters, you know, but. I'm different now, you know. I, I, I think of myself as an artist and a family man, first and foremost. But Slobby Robbie was real. Slobby Robbie is real. Um, probably, I probably couldn't take it if I tried. <laughs> uh, Ray, am I missing anything? Uh, well, I do have a game for you two to play called yes. How Much Does This Vintage Shit Cost? <laughs> so you got to tell me which item costs more. So I'm going to start with Rob. All right, a 1990s unused Taco Bell ashtray <laughs> or a 1960s full-size 12-inch G.I. Joe with accessories but not in the box, the 12-inch size. Taco Bell unused ashtray. The Taco Bell ashtray is $10. <laughs> the G.I. Joe is 190 Oh, it's because it's because I wanted the ashtray. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's worth more to you. <laughs> so uh, if you would pay two hundred or one ninety one for the ashtray, you would be correct then. Yes, so, correct. So that all right, that, that's a point for Rob. Robbie <laughs> gets the point on that. I'll allow it. Yeah. All right, Casey, you ready? Yep. 
1977, C-3PO, in package, unopened. Or, Aunt Justice for All, tour shirt from 88-89, size large, white, with the Lady Liberty on the front, the Metallica logo on back, with special guest The Cult also listed on the back. I'll go with the Star Wars only because... I think that unopened a toy, you know, on the box, you know, unopened with the box. We don't know what that shirt looks like. Right. Uh, well, the shirt, I, I looked these up on eBay. The shirt is mint condition, basically, because white is one of the hardest to uh, keep from getting shitty over years. This one yeah. looked pretty good. And what year is that shirt from? 88-89 tour. I'll still go with the toy. All right. The toy was six eighty nine ninety nine. And the tour shirt, tour shirt was five hundred. So All you right. are correct, sir. AC nailed it. Close, close All though. Right. Damn, they're both pretty expensive. Yep. Uh, all right, Slabby. Here we go. Michael Jordan signed and framed game worn Bulls jersey from ninety seven ninety eight. It's an away jersey. It's the red one. His signature is on the numbers, the white, and it is authenticated. Or 1973 Monopoly board game opened, but all the pieces are there. Oh my god! I feel like this is a big question because <laughs> you know <laughs> the thing about autographs for me is sometimes autographs can just be complete garbage. Um, I'm going to go with. I, I think this is a trick. Also, I'm going to go with the Monopoly. Okay, the Monopoly is eighteen dollars and nine cents. <laughs> the the game worn jersey is seventeen thousand eight hundred and fifty seven and a quarter. <laughs> I told you, All right. I told you I know what I'm doing. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> All right, Casey, last one. All right. Nineteen sixty seven tops. Bob Euchre, Philadelphia Phillies as a catcher. There's no creases on this baseball card. Or a 1970s Iron City beer, Pittsburgh Steelers defense, empty beer can with the tab removed. <laughs> I'm going to go with the fucking beer. This is another trick question. It's got to be the beer, beer can. The, the beer can is $8. The Bob Euchre card is 14 <laughs> Oh! <laughs> so close. Bro, I'd way rather have the gear. <laughs> that was fun, man. Yeah. Uh, all right, yeah. Robbie. Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Like, yeah. you know, I love even like I want to I want to be <laughs> on the for 20 more years. It just it's just, you know, it's that nice, it's not dressed up like social media, you know, it's like it's like flea market at three in the morning, you know? Mm-hmm. One of the questions I had in here that I, I forgot to ask is, so you mentioned eBay and stuff. So are you still finding, are there still good deals out there, um, you know, with something that you can buy as a, as a seller that you can buy cheap and resell high like, or have shows like Slobby's World or American Pickers, like things like that? Or have they ruined that? Like, are people just too, like, smart now? No, um, I think that you, I think that this sort of, you know, this, 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 this concept of like 
like reselling goods in general, like whatever, what your parents do. I don't think this can ever go away because there's like, for me, like there's always somebody who's willing to give up more for less to someone who's knowledgeable, who knows that they can, you know, they can sell less for more. Right. So like, and let's say I'm selling some tools. I, I just, I'm not tool guy. I don't know if I really want to drive to the tool place and talk to a tool guy and feel like a poser, you know? So I'd rather just undersell my tools on Facebook marketplace to tool guy, you know, and tool guy can make his money, bro. Cause he knows tool customers and he knows construction guys who buy tools. You know what I'm saying? So there's always, you know, there's always stuff. First of all, there's always stuff out there and people need money. So, you know, I, I, I get stuff. I mean, bro, we got, um, you know, Lisa Frank, right? Lisa nah. Frank, she, she did like uh, folders and notebooks and stuff for kids in the 80s. And it was like unicorns and ah. flowers and pandas and it's all hot pink and turquoise. So okay. Lisa Frank um, is from Tucson and her, her office was here in the 80s. And um, somebody brought in a Lisa Frank jacket that was like custom made out of Lisa Frank bl- blankets. And apparently the legend was that it was, you know, she made them for her staff, right? Before the company closed down. Sure enough, it was completely true. I bought them for ten bucks each. Got a thousand each of on eBay. And this Damn. Was like three weeks ago. So, and the guy was okay. like, "I think I could get a lot for him. I just don't feel like dealing with it." Uh, <laughs> give me this hat. It was like a nice hat and and some cash. And I was like, "Absolutely." But like for us, we you know we thought it was cool. I knew enough to know about it. I, I live in Tucson, so the, I could like check out the lore, you know. So there's always somebody who's going to get more for it, you know. Like yeah. My guy who goes to the auctions and buys my Benzes, he's getting it for cheaper than if I was out on Facebook Marketplace looking at vintage Benzes. So there's all I'm going to be the guy. I got to be the plug. Hmm. So, um, so but yet a but, much like the cocaine market uh, or whatever, you know, it's all about supply and demand. The housing market, the weed market. So like again, I I, I mean I pretty much stopped selling weed once it became legal in Arizona. Like what? It, like, <laughs> right. So whereas like vintage it's almost the same thing it's like okay now everyone and their mom does it so there's oversupply and less demand because they can find it in more places they can find the product cheaper you know you got five guys at the club selling cocaine and one guy selling it for 20 and everyone else is selling it for 40 people are going to sniff that out so unfortunately that's what's happened in vintage but much like any other business and like much like real estate you know it's all about riding the waves and then uh, you know just doing what you do. You know, I wasn't here to get in and get out. I, you know, Wu-Tang is forever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, you oh, ever yeah. drive around on garbage day and find anything and sell it and make a shit ton of money? Absolutely. I have picked up furniture in my alley from my house within the last <laughs> six months and sold it at the shop. You know, and someone comes in and I tell them, I got furniture right here and I'll just take them back. We have this giant room by stuff. <laughs> We we a bunch of my stuff that's in my office was free that we use as furniture and cool decorations. Uh, we I've gotten a, don- a box full of donations. Uh, one time, a bunch of old Playboys and Nintendo Power magazines, cool shit. Whatever at the bottom, two Wu Tang Clan shirts from their first tour, bitch, <laughs> five hundred dollars shirts, and it was my homie donated the whole box to the shop. And I didn't think about it because all the magazines are on top, and he, I don't know how he had put the shirts at the bottom, and he didn't care, and so. Um, you know, I, I think that my, my a lot of my friends do bandos. You know, they go into abandoned houses and, and uh, they get it for free, and so they can afford to sell it to me for two dollars, and it's still a forty dollars shirt. So, you know, the free stuff is still out there, bro. You just gotta, um, 
it's not even about hard work. I think it's about being creative and sniffing it out. I think you have to be a bloodhound. And, and if you're having fun, bro, you're always going to do it, dog. Just like if you're out at the club and you're like trying to meet women and like, oh, what's your name? Like if you're just having fun with your friends and you're a cool ass fucking dude, you know, with cocaine like dried on his nose, but you're just going to meet some bitches. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> dude, this has been awesome, yeah, man. Tell us about this sure. uh, before we wrap it up here. Tell us about this new thing that you're doing on uh, Network, NTWRK. Uh, it reminds me sort of like a, like an online home shopping network type thing, right? Yeah, Network is exactly what you're saying. It's home shopping network. There's a lot of other apps out there, whatnot, and Pop Shop, but that's more like eBay where anybody can get on and do it. Uh, network is actual scheduled shows, specific people who have hired to be hosts, much like Home Shopping Network. Um, and I just did my first show on um, Thursday night, and it was a huge success. Uh, and it, it's uh, it's called Bangers on Hangers. It's Thursday night on the app, NTWRK. You sign up for the app, they're going to give you 20 bucks to go to like a live show and just spend it. Uh, it's a great place to shop live because you can get in and talk shit and get in the chat. You know, it's like something between Instagram Live and Home Shopping Network, like a combination of those two. Yeah, very it's cool. Fun. And uh, we did get our our Instagram isn't quite as uh, popular as yours. We did have one <laughs> fan question for you. Uh, Jason Skagoon would like to know, what was your favorite cartoon as a kid? Oh, wow. Um Wow, that's a really good question. Definitely, I can't lie, it's got to be He-Man. I was obsessed with Masters of the Universe. They had all those oil-painted backgrounds and that, like, ominous music, like, <laughs> you know, like, like just the medieval vibe, you know, and I like the bad guys. So I was obsessed with Masters of the Universe cartoon when I was a kid. And then after that, probably G.I. Joe, because I got into guns and Punisher, and I got into, like, shooting people with BB guns and going to juvie and stuff. So I feel like <laughs> being evil became a little bit more of my style later. <laughs> and now, you know, <laughs> what, what, what was the fucking, what was the final of GI Joe? I, cause I watched it as a kid too, but now I can't remember being put on the spot. The, Come what was on, the final? Casey. It's, it's now knowing, you know, knowing is half the battle. I wanted to knowing is half the battle. I wanted to yeah. say the fucking uh, who was the old man that would say, and now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if you or if you don't know, now you know. Or Bono's, but yeah, Bono's. No, now you know, and knowing is half the battle. That's when they taught you the moral lesson at the end. After they all shot each other with machine guns. Right. And basically, <laughs> they were talking right to Slobby Robbie saying, the moral of the story today was is don't shoot people in the ass with a BB gun. Oh. We would hide. I shot I shot dude at the home, and then mom's out there hanging up laundry, and he goes, ma'am, you got to be careful. There's some kid around here running around shooting people with BB guns. And my mom Slobby, thank you so much, man. This has been awesome. We learned a lot tonight. Mm-hmm. Tell, uh, please tell everyone where they can find you, your Instagram, and all that stuff. So, Slobbert Robert, that's my government name. Just Google it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Look me up on LinkedIn. Check me out on MySpace. You know, peep <laughs> me out on on the, on the Etsy. Uh, you know, peep me out on Etsy, y'all. Slobby Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Love you guys. 
Yeah. Thank thanks you, for bro. being Love here. You too, man. Thank you. Later, dude. Yeah.